Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Spring is my favorite time to start a new workout routine. With the weather warming up, it feels easier to get into the rhythm of things. Whether you have 20 minutes or an hour for a Pilates class or outdoor guided walk, Peloton has everything you need to help you get going. Get a head start on summer with Peloton at OnePeloton.com. Across the UK, online and on DAB. <laughs> Badass Women's Hour with Harriet Minter, Natalie Campbell and Emma Sexton. On Talk Radio, she'll get you talking. Welcome to the Badass Women's Hour live here at the W Hotel. Thank you very much for joining us this evening. My name is Harriet Minter. Um, I'm going to be hosting tonight. Um, we've got a fantastic panel this evening. We're going to be talking all things fashion, the business of fashion, working in fashion, wearing fashion, and anything else to do with the F word, fashion, not anything else. <laughs> um, as ever, though, if you've been talking these before, you'll know we've kind of got a format, so I'll let the panel introduce themselves in a minute, but then we'll also have a bit of a chat about some big issues that have come up this week or so. And then we'll have a little bit of a chat about what it's like to work in the industry, what they've learned, what they'll share. Um, and then it's over to you. So it's your time to ask any and all questions. We have chatted with them before. They are a very frank and funny panel, so ask away. Um, and we're here for the next hour or so. After that, throw a drink. So hang out and have a drink with us afterwards. Um, but let's start down the end. Nat, do you want to start our intros? Hi, Natalie Campbell, one third of Badass Women's Hour. Um, and my journey in fashion started off by running my own retail franchise. So when I was 16, I started working for Morgan. It was an old school brand, high street brand. High street brand. Um, and I opened a franchise when I was in my last year of university. So at 21, I had a franchise store, fell in love with selling and retail. And for anyone that ever went into Morgan, logo prints and a Pallavi top were the things that everyone needed to have. So that's sort of ingrained on my heart. I want to go like this. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Based on that. Yes. <laughs> Fabulous. Sarah. Um, my name's Sarah Curran. Um, I sort of started my career into being an entrepreneur quite late, so into my 30s, uh, when I launched uh, a store originally in London and then I launched um, a website in 2006 called My Wardrobe uh, which was an amazing experience, some very positive, some not so positive which turned out to be really positive. I uh, worked with my husband who then turned out to be my ex-husband, <laughs> kind of was quite positive. <laughs> um, and um, more recently I launched another online business called Very Exclusive, which is part of Shop Direct. Um, so the kind of the sister brand to Very, and it's their sort of luxury or premium um, website. And so that's kind of me, really. Thank you. I'm Emma Sexton, one third of the Badass Women's Hour. I'm also an entrepreneur, but not in fashion. So I have a, a design agency um, called Make Your Words Work, and also a network for entrepreneurs called Flock. Thank you. I'm crazy. Oh God, how do I, how do I even start with what I do? 
Um, I have two W's in my name, so I, I'm a part share owner in the W Hotel, <laughs> just by rights. Um, I started as a stylist. Um, I'm a fashion creative. Um, I'm currently consultant brand director at Zandra Rhodes. Uh, I'm a presenter on radio and TV. And I'm a mom as well, which I kind of admit for lots of things. I know lots of people have put in their descriptions about what they are. I never put mother in there, but I think in the discussion tonight, it's possibly a quite important thing to say. Fabulous. Thank you very much. Um, so, kicking off with a story that kind of caught all of our attention this week and the goings on at Vogue, because there have been some changes at British Vogue. Um, has a new editor for the first time ever. It has not only a man, but a black man editing it. A black gay man. Black gay man. <laughs> tick, tick, tick. Um, and he has been making some hiring and firing decisions that have kind of Took come out minutes. in the press. Tell us about it, Grace. Tell us about the story. What's happened? Well, yesterday on a very small uh, critical website, which a fashion critical website, which actually I don't even know the name of. If anyone can pronounce it, I'll give you 10 points. How do you say it? Bestos? Yeah. Yeah, that one. Tell us to you over there in this yeah. t shirt. Um, that's the thing, is I think it was a strategic announcement to the industry. I think, uh, considering that they, uh, it was a, a very in depth, very, very raw, very open interview about Lucinda Chambers, who was fashion director of British Vogue, being fired in three minutes after her. I think you said 25, I said 33. Let's meet in the middle. It's somewhere in between like <laughs> yeah. sort of 20, 30 year ten, tenure at British Vogue. Uh, the incoming editor has been quoted saying, I want to get rid of the posh women or posh girls at British Vogue. Um, and there's obviously a, a seismic change going on. Um, she, uh, Lucinda has been tried to be hushed in the fact that people have said to her, don't say that you were fired because then but that becomes your story. And she's like, I will not be silenced. Mm -hmm. And I think that is the most positive thing mm -hmm. of the piece that's come out. And the rest is like, we're going to talk about it all night. <laughs> it's so interesting. So, Sarah, have you read this? Have you seen it? Yeah, I think it's a real shame, actually, that it's happened like this. Because I understand his sentiment about wanting to get rid of the posh girls because that's very much a stereotype of yeah. how it was. And I think, to a certain extent, um, the direction, and we'll get to see how that all evolves, is going to be much more visual than it is going to be about words. Um, that's kind of where it's going. But I think the way that he managed it has managed to be in such a mean girl's way that it kind of, it's in itself, it's quite a character of, you know, it's quite sort of stereotypically fashion yeah. to manage it and without any respect of her tenure historically um, and I just think it's a really I think it's it's not a great way to um, you know to sort of start I think it makes a few waves but I mean is the fashion industry a nice place you know, that's that's kind of like, you know, I've Does it need to be a nice place? Well, that's the question, I think, that well, um, is it is it morally bound to be a nice place? Did fashion ever set out and go, you know, no, we need to, like, care for people, you know? Uh, I certainly, my remit is that, you, you know, that every industry can be a nice place. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And okay. I'm like, why, why do, do we have to have a dilemma about should, should fashion have morals? 
one, yeah. two, yeah. three. Okay, everything. Okay. Absolutely. Okay, absolutely. Just checking because you know there are some people that would say actually fashion is here. It's a visual. It's it's an aesthetic at a certain level. Yeah. And therefore, you know, if it's supposed to have morals, we wouldn't be using the chemical dyes. We wouldn't be buying all the shit that we that we have. So, except for the environmental, mm-hmm. why should fashion have morals? Audience poll. Or audience to it's a really why. difficult question to answer, but I'd be really yeah. interested to hear what people have to the back say. It should have morals, but I think we've kind of just accepted that a lot of the time it doesn't have morals, and when fashion says it has morals, it's like we don't necessarily see it so much coming out. So it's like it's become something that we've just accepted. Okay, that's how it is. We expect people to be not nasty and it's nice when we find nice people yeah i think you know it's to be expected within a competitive sector which fashion is um on any within any role and you know emily and i were talking about it before it's um if it's competitive it's you know it's it's kind of easy to see how it can become quite kind of elbowy and people will walk over their grandmother to get that job or I don't think it's right Um, and as an employer I feel that it's my responsibility to empower my team because you spend so much of your time at work that it's so important that you love it and I but I think that's that's as true to um, fashion as it is to Whichever. Does the competition drive the creativity? Because that's mm. what that's what the fashion industry is is all about. And I'm like, does that kind of clickiness, that competitiveness, that oh, it's not in this season, darling. You know, does that does that fuel creativity or does that stifle creativity? Because I think that's a question for me. There's lots of industries, and there's lots of industries that need to have morals. The drug industry is not necessarily a moralistic industry, and yet they have you know, bodies which regulate them. There's a, a, a really a lot of much worse stuff that goes on in those kind of industries um, when there's life or death at, at, you know, at question. You know, fashion isn't life or death. And I find it really interesting. I'm not at the, the point in my career, I, I kind of left fashion because I felt it could be a better industry. And now I've come <coughs> back to kind of fight that it could be a better industry. I think, I think it's very hard to answer the question why fashion should be moralistic because they're dealing with what self-esteem mm-hmm. and yeah. because the nature of fashion is to destabilise people. I have to give Karen Franklin the credit to that line because I learned mm-hmm. there are very few mentors in fashion and Karen Franklin was the woman that taught me that the feelings that I was having about myself and my role in the fashion industry were completely normal and that there were people who were talking about it. Now, I don't, I don't necessarily think the fashion industry should be moralistic. It's an industry. They're trying to sell stuff. So it's like, let's divide what is, and let's also have an understanding. You know, I've worked in fashion all my life. Let's have an understanding of what it is and then try to remove the bits which make sense and the bits that you're like, okay, you know what? Fashion is meant to sell clothes. That's their job and their role. So let's put that in a box. And then we have the stuff where we, it's like that weird space where we're marketed to on our, um, uh, to destabilize us and to make us feel like we're not good enough. So we're going to buy more stuff because mm-hmm. that's their remit. However, one of the points of the talk tonight was like fashion versus style, yeah. which I think fashion, I think clothing, dividing them again, 
provide such an incredible way of self-expression mm -hmm. and confidence and, and so many things. And that's why I've stuck within the industry that I sort of trained in and I've gone through hell and high water and nearly left and then came back. And, and I just, I, I, I have to stand by the industry because I think there is so much that you can do to help people to feel great about themselves but let's divide what those things are. One so, of the things she, in the article, she said, or allegedly says, because uh, I was reading it secondhand when the article was taken down, was that she said, actually, some of the covers that we've done at Vogue are shit. The magazine's lost its way. Crash, sick crap. crap. <laughs> <laughs> my, my terminology. Uh, and that actually we've, we've created a lifestyle, which is you know, it's all about expensive clothes and, and selling people stuff that they don't need yeah. to, to, to buy. It's all about buying. And it goes back to this point around fashion versus style what are these publications for so removing the fashion bit what what are the magazines for what is the narrative of style and fashion for is it to get us to buy is it to inspire us is it to show us another way of living because I, I i'm i'm confused but i choose the things i read based on yeah. how they inspire me not what they Vogue's always been inspirational for me yeah. i always look at vogue to just kind of get a I don't know, they're almost like art pieces, some mm. of those photo shoots, mm. aren't they? Like some of those outfits look ridiculous, but you can see how they will translate into a high street or or there's a theme or a mood. What do you mean? You would be walking down the street in some of the things you see on the phone Well, I do. Sarah, what do you think? Because obviously you've worked, you know, kind of with a really kind of high-end aesthetic, but... Is that is that inspirational or is it just aspirational? Like, where's the line? I think again, it depends what the publication is. You've got titles like Vogue that are there to be, you know, they lead the way, um, and then you have other more mainstream that are very much about selling stuff. Yeah. And actually, you know, getting a credit in Vogue as a retailer doesn't necessarily mean that you're going to shift anything more. Mm -hmm. um, but, you know, getting a credit in New Magazine or, yeah. I mean, you know, God... God love it, the Daily yeah, Mail. I mean, well, no, <laughs> but I mean, the, the publishing industry is going through an absolute mare at the yeah. moment. Um, but, yeah, it's like the mail, yeah. please. Uh, <laughs> you know, that, that can kind of, you know, we've, man we've sold out of stuff historically through, um, through those sort of credits. But I think it's... it's I think... The industry is quite brutal because um, you you might have your collection out and it might get thumbs down or thumbs up from various sort of influencers or key people in the industry. And I think what tends to happen is that you take that brutality and it just becomes the norm for how you treat people. I heard an amazing phrase from a very, very powerful fashion PR who's Scottish. I'm going to attempt the accent, but, you know, it might go anywhere in the world right now. The fish rots from the head down. <laughs> that was good. <laughs> but do you see what I mean? If it's kind of, if the, 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 yeah. the thing at the top is basically poisonous, everything's yeah, going to rot below. And it's kind well, of like, Uber. so what can you do? You know, yeah. what happened with Uber a couple of weeks ago? And that was very much a culture that was led from the top. And you can see that, and I think retail retailers um, have been going through a, a, a change from what was always about you know the greedy traders and that whole sort of certain um, figures in that industry um, and I do feel that there is now this 
more, I feel definitely that it's much more about not trying to sell those sort of trend pieces mm -hmm. that won't last, won't have any longevity. It's much more about buying sort of, even, even not in line with the seasons because they're so out of whack, mm -hmm. you know, the seasons and when collections drop. It's much more about style and about something that's going to have longevity and, and last longer in your wardrobe. Because otherwise I do feel that you're constantly chasing that kind of, that next thing, you know, and, and it's just, it's really not, it's not a nice place to be in. So do we even think now that actually the traditional formats, the traditional Vogue's, Elle's, do they actually have the level of influence that they did even five or ten years ago? Or has social media kind of democratised fashion a bit? Yeah, I think social media has had a massive impact to um, to sort of publishing and and those sort of big houses. And I think you now just look at Vogue and what it's and its transition. It's going from a magazine that that was all about interesting articles and sort of more culture, and it's going to be moving to something that's way more visual, because people don't have the energy, the time the attention span to read thousands and thousands of words. Yeah. People just want that instant. And that has been driven from social media and and also this need to just kind of get it instantly. And our devices, you know, are you know, we're always on the go and we're always we've got this fear of being bored. Um, <laughs> and and so I think it, it has driven this change. Yeah. Just again an audience poll on that. Who still gets is inspired and is influenced by magazines versus social media? So who's on the magazine magazines? side? So and who's on the social media side? Yeah. yeah. So I mean, what, what, if you do a poll of younger women, also that they don't realise that that it's that that bloggers and vloggers and social media are just as paid for yeah. as the media it's like now it's it's not it's not an even playing field it's kind of like well you know and many people who are being paid to do stuff don't don't announce it they don't say sponsored yeah. or yeah. you know and um and i kind of so i find that a bit insidious but is there an accessibility about how they're presenting style? So if we move the, away from the fashion bit, they're presenting their style in a way that seems more authentic to who they are. Yeah. There's a relationship and experience. You're like, no, God, no. They the, all look the same to me. Yeah. I'm really sorry. But it's like, there's very few that are really, really out there. And you're like, yeah, that is editorial worthy. That is yeah. worthy yeah. of looking at and studying and yeah. reading what they say about it. And the rest is like everybody else wearing the high street. But I think you're coming from a, that's your area of expertise. And so I think, and sometimes in fashion, we can forget that the outside of our bubble, it's a very different world. And people, you know, aren't as bothered. You know, when I speak to friends about articles or editors or stylists, they're like, who the fuck are you talking about? Yeah. Um, but they like what they like what their friends are wearing. That's what I think. Yeah. That's what you're saying. It's yeah. like oh, that that kind of girl gang thing, which is much more like, I really love what you're wearing. Yeah, where's totally. it from? Yeah, yeah. But yeah. also, I I use social media a lot more and Pinterest. But what I found is as I've got older. I don't want to look through those magazines because I am much more interested in style than fast fashion. Yeah. Mm -hmm. But there's nobody, I don't have any role models in those publications because they're all like 18 year old girls wearing stuff where 
for me, social media has created and allows me to follow yeah. like certain celebrities that I like, yeah. certain individuals, and then I go, oh, where are they buying and stuff? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. 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 And everyday things. style. Yeah. I don't want to, you know, you can see some of these outfits or these looks that come in. They look amazing if you are 18 and a size yeah. 8. Yeah. And we live if you're 35 it. and it's size 6. So if we're democratising fashion and we think potentially that its influence is moving away from magazines towards social media, what does this mean for fashion now? What does it have to do in order to keep up and to still be relevant? So one of the stories we were discussing earlier was about um, a brand who this year have decided they're not going to show collections by season. They're yeah. just going to show clothes. Mm. Yeah. Um, is that the kind of... That, to me, I'm going to be honest, outside the industry does not feel that radical. Yeah. <laughs> I, yeah. yeah. But is that... There has to be... As I work in the manufacturing of clothes, yeah. um, there has to be a structure in, in, in terms of ordering and manufacturing. Yeah. Because if you're, if you're making... Even, in, even if you're making... At the, the moment, I'm brand director of Zandra Rhodes, and we make, we print and make and finish everything in the atelier. There still has to be a period of time between the ordering and and delivering it. Yeah. Because we can't, we're not going to work all night, like, and having shifts, like in China, where people are dying <laughs> because they're doing that. And, you know, and yeah. it's like, so there has to be an amount of time. And so uh, I think there is, you know, the, the great thing that I find with what I'm doing is that we are taking craft and marrying it with technology. Yeah. Yeah. So anyone, anywhere can have this beautiful product, but we will do it at our own pace. Yeah. And I'm very lucky that we can sell to matchesfashion.com like off season. Yeah. I can I delivered the first archive collection in September, but it wasn't autumn, winter, it wasn't spring, summer. It was like kind of, it's always summer somewhere. Mm, there is a true. massive yeah. benefit yeah to this but the, there is also the kind of the the buy i think what, what also what you're talking about is the the the, the buy from the catwalk which is befuddling everybody to be honest <laughs> but i think this is a time for each house to kind of future proof themselves and go this is our message yeah. and that's the beauty of it is the fashion industry is like shuffling like a house of cards that you go right okay this is how we're going to stabilize and this is what we're going to do and i think that that is it sorts the wheat from the chaff. Lots of people will fall by the wayside and lots of people will benefit. But style is also seasonless and I think yeah. my frustration is, is that if I want a high-waisted black trouser at any point, I should be able to have that. If I want to buy a bikini, I should be able to but have that. But surely you can now. Almost. Mm. So I'm the sort of person that if I see something, I'll buy in every colour and if I really like something, I'll buy two of the same colour just in case I can't get it again. Because there are some shops that's, I know it's, it, you don't want to live in my wardrobe. There are some shops where I just know I won't find it again because yeah. they're still working to a trend. And that really frustrates me. And I, it's almost, you know, when you've got something really nice, I think, should I just take it to a tailor and just ask them to make more of them? Because you never get that same though. You're right. When something's perfect, it's like by multiples. Yeah. And it feels yeah. odd, but it's like, it's definitely worth yeah. But I, I am that weird person. I'll have two of the black and then I'll have two of the They're green. like American psycho. Sarah, how's technology changing fashion for you? Because you've kind of been there at the forefront of tech with fashion. Yeah, I mean, I think going going back to your point from um, <clears throat> from a designer perspective, the challenges now with online 
globally it's transparent mm -hmm. and obviously you've got different territories with different kind of um, climates at different times I mean it's it's summer here and in Sydney it's winter you know okay. so um, but yet there's still the same aspirational and hungry person wants that sort of new mm -hmm. latest drop of whoever yeah. so there's that challenge to contend with um, but also uh, the drops were out of kilter with the the seasons so you know we would you know, we'd start getting deliveries of, if you include pre-collections, start getting deliveries of spring, summer in November, while it's still bloody freezing outside. <laughs> and in January, February, it's, you know, it's no doubt snowing, but you've got a sort of a shop full of, um, you know, yellow summer dresses. Um, and then the same happens in the reverse. So what I started to do with the buying team is just to push... Um, push the deliveries mm -hmm. of when things would drop into the store yeah. or online so that actually it's right for the customer at that point because again it's I don't feel necessarily comfortable with pushing for a customer to buy something when it's not you know the right when it's not relevant yeah. at that time mm -hmm. um, and again that's you know I'm always at a kind of a bit of a a sort of a constant challenge with myself because you've got that sense of wanting to do the right thing by your business and also having sort of the influence on society and then we've just come out of this recession and you know that was all driven by debt and so but you know there's got to be a happy balance so very much aligning the business to actually what the customers needs are for me was the right thing to do and I think it's and, you know, finally, the industry are also moving towards that. It also and feels much more in line, doesn't it, yeah. with what we all, like even the magazines, the glossies, mm -hmm. they have become, they've had to become more, you know, yeah. all of a sudden, Elle magazine is a feminist Bible. <laughs> <laughs> That's like, uh-huh. <laughs> okay. But, you know, I think that it, it is, it, it's a more... The reality is more about what is actually happening in women's yeah. lives rather than the fantasy of how you should be or what, yeah, you, totally. what you should try and be in this ridiculous standard. Yeah. How much does how who you are as individuals influence the way you, you build business, the way that you go into another organisation? Do you think about, well, this is what I would do, or are you thinking about are you thinking more about the customer? Which comes first, the intrinsic or the extrinsic? Um, I think... I always, I think I always come from a place of being authentic um, in how I do business to yourself, yep. to myself, and then from that, I, I'm then able to answer various questions that need addressing, um, because I think if you are, I think if you're always putting yourself in the customer's mindset, there'll probably be certain objectives as a business that you're not fulfilling, um, and then if you put yourself from business objectives. You know, you're probably going to be chasing the dollar versus actually. You would be Philip Green. <laughs> yeah, and I think no one wants to be. Yeah, yeah. Um, I think also it's about you've got to you've got to be authentic with your customer because you've got to drive loyalty, and customers are very savvy now, and they see when they're being oversold to or when they're being pushed on certain garments or whatever. Um, and and so I think if you come from that place, it can only be good thing for the business and for the customer ultimately. Grace, what about you? Do you style? Where does, where does the style start? 
Uh, I've only, I, I, I literally wear my heart on my sleeve and that literally comes down to fashion. I've, I've only ever been able to, I'm an extremely emotional person that comes with it being, you know, like painfully creative, <laughs> which that is hard sometimes because it's like, I'm not, I'm like a blanket creative. I can do many, many things. Um, I wanted to be a fine artist and I went to Campbell College and they were like, <laughs> <laughs> no, you're not a fine artist. Uh, I was painfully shy. I'd had a very, very traumatic upbringing. And that takes a long time. It's only till now I have a child and I can work all that stuff out. You know, at the time when you're like, like going like this, and like, like, like electric coming off your fingers. Like, I'm creative, but I don't know what to do with it. Uh, that you try to sort of put it into a little package. And um, fashion seemed like a good idea at the time because I'm a, unlike a, a fine artist I'm I, I'm a communicator as well so fashion seemed like a kind of good idea at the time. So what I think is really interesting about that is actually fashion is an industry that is filled with creative mm -hmm. people who are notoriously kind of insecure and worried about what mm -hmm. people are going to think of them and are they good enough and are they as good as the last thing they've done and yet it's also a notoriously cutthroat, d demanding, competitive industry. There are different How levels. How do you balance that? Well, because there's the, the, there are the creatives and then the, the, the marketeers yeah. and the promoters. Like there are, if you look at any arts-based industry, fine art, yeah. music, all of them are somewhat unregulated because how do you... Nobody wants to squash the creativity, however, they're trying to kind of guide it, yeah. but there is yeah. no real way to guide it. It's like a sort of like slightly rudderless ship. Yeah. And like, you know, and you've seen, we've seen a lot of um, bad cases in the music industry, a lot of people being greedy, a lot of people getting ripped off. And, you know, fashion is the same thing, but um, it, it, it's, it's, um, it's an amazing, they are amazing industries because otherwise, You'd have these crazy people like me sitting at home going, oh, I'm just going to like do it all day. Oh, what am I doing myself? And so, you know, it's, it's the hardest thing any creative can do is try to make money out of your creativity. And so I appreciate the structure. But like, like as I keep going back to, like my hard line is that the fashion industry is an industry. And that's for, for all of us to be aware of. Like I go into Topshop. I don't know if you guys find this. I am befuddled, and you know, and I'm a stylist, you know, I've been a stylist for a long time. I go and they go, who am I? Oh, I wish I was. I'm like, am I this person? But okay, I'm just going to buy it all. Um, and it's, it's designed to do that, you know, it's designed to befuddle you to, yeah. to buy all the stuff. But, you know, it's kind of like if we all go in and go, right, okay. I'm not going to let you do this to me. I'm just going to kind of. I know what my. I know what I'm. I'm here to kind of find. I'm probably here to find a new pair of jeans. The hardest thing on earth. Um, but yeah, it's like you have to kind of be. If you if you at least go, I know what you're up to here. It arms you a little bit. Yeah. You know. How have you got to? Um, I don't know. Commercial commercial commercialize your creativity. Mm. So I find that, at all, especially working as like a designer, I find designers are similar. You know, when you are a creative person, almost an artist person, you know, being successful in what you do is to, to understand how you can kind of commercialise that. Otherwise, you are just going to kind of be that struggling artist or that struggling stylist. How have you learned to be 
successful, channeling that creativity in a way that's that's made a successful career for you? I think you need to ask Sarah that. <laughs> well, both of you. <laughs> I don't think I've made a success of it. I'm sort of like work in progress. So. <laughs> No, you have. I don't know. You've had an amazing career, and to be doing sort of what you're doing now, it's fantastic. None of it's not a struggle. Like, you know, like I was saying, it's like, I, I, I don't think you get to choose what you are good at. You just have to make the best of what you've got. So knowing what you have, and that's not always something that's, um, that's clear to you. Mm. It, it takes a lot of trial and error. So you go, oh, okay, I think I'm good at this. I think, you know, I think coaching is, a, is an amazing thing that yeah. people are kind of like, oh, it's a kind of new concept. But I think um, not using your friends as kind of constant feedback yeah. is a really good idea. Um, using your failures as, uh, as massive learning curves and not going, yeah, I, I got fired and, you know, because they were assholes and uh, it's like, you know, just going, okay, well, what, what have I done in, you know, um, and there was an article, especially after Lucinda Chambers, um, in something recently saying the best thing that ever happened to me was getting fired. Yeah. Um, I've never been fired as a freelancer. It's really hard. You just never get employed again. <laughs> um, you never know. You know, so you're like, what have I done wrong? You know, nobody will ever tell you. So you kind of have these a lot of guests. Yeah, you know. <laughs> we had this conversation down. So we the same thing, but mm. with the entrepreneur's hat on. We were saying there's something, when you're building a business or you're an entrepreneur, there's something in you that means you can't not push yourself forward. It's the same yeah. sort of creativity thing. There's You almost get the shakes when you're not, being that mm. person mm. and it's not all the time that your friends understand that journey and therefore yeah. you need to find solace and ways of, of building that in other ways that aren't your friends because it comes when they give you feedback it comes with its own judgment so coaching yeah. is one way of yeah. removing all of that yeah totally and my partner so tom is very he's super risk averse he's a creative director he loves what he does he was creative director of Marie Claire and Harper's Bazaar, but hates risk. So I decided back in April that I was going to leave shop direct and uh, very exclusive. And it was announced today. And I'm like, oh my God, what if no one wants me? But I kind of can't say anything to Tom because he'll be like, I told you so. I told you, don't, never leave your job until you know where you're going. Um, and so I used to have to say to him, look, I don't need to hear that from you. I just need support. Yeah. Much like he didn't need to hear from me, you'll turn into a dinosaur if you stay at Marie Claire, <laughs> or not so much Marie Claire magazines. Yeah. Um, and I think sometimes it's about knowing who to go to for the right support at the right time. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is PlushCare. PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. 
They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. So Zia, my friend, who is, I think, the creative director of Fortnum & Mason, like, flying the, the feminist flag in what is, you know, like a behemoth of, like, man's land. Um, and she said to me, it's a secret thing, but you just brain plow people. People that you're like, you're really smart. And you don't be like, will you be my mentor? You just kind of go, anyway, I was thinking about this. What do you think about that? And they just kind of go... Yeah. Like they brain power people and they don't know that you're doing it and they and people like talking yeah generally yeah, especially like, about themselves yeah. Yeah. yeah exactly yeah. 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 I've never heard of that yeah. it's a good I made one, it up <laughs> <laughs> we're all going to steal it from yeah. now on uh, so we're going to come to you guys for questions um, just FYI we always do this bit and then at the end when I'm like last question everyone's like oh no me me uh, so don't wait for that to happen who has the first question? Yes, lady at the back. Oh, and hold on, there's a microphone. Yeah, such a good question. That's what Alexandra Shulman said, and she's gone to business and fashion. She did a speech at her, Alexandra Shulman, at her leaving drinks, said, I have no idea what I'm going to do next, and then today she's going to business and fashion. So, can we just like reprieve this in like, yeah. you know, four days' time? I know, listen, I'd be bloody delighted if you four days' time. I've got this amazing gig. Um, I don't know, I'm kind of. So I get married in September and Woo! I. Oh, I know. Yeah. I never thought that would ever happen again. Um, but I'm almost, in a, in a weird way, I'm kind of like, I'm going to open up to international roles. Mm. And I'm kind of like, I'm not going to, probably it's because of the failed marriage, I'm not going to be defined by getting married mm -hmm. and being this, you know, the need to be this sort of like couple yeah. uh, that can't do things independently. Mm -hmm. So yeah, so I, darling, I just do not, maybe I should have taken Tom's advice and, <laughs> and not left until I found another gig. No. But listen, I could not have. Yeah. I don't think women operate like that, to be honest. Yeah. Plus, very much like you, heart and sleeve. If I'm hating it, I'll either shop more because I'm just trying to sort of do self-sabotage. Drown the feelings. Drown the feelings. Fill the void. With more stuff. I'm the perfect customer. But also, can I just say, as the... That's so great. The antithesis of, and I love Lucinda Chambers, and I love what she's done with her interview. However, if that she thought, as she said, it's all a bit crap, and she didn't necessarily believe in it, and look, we all have to toe the party line. But thank God for somebody like you that goes, I don't believe in this anymore, so I'm out. Yeah. yeah. And start something new, the phoenix from the flames. Yeah, and yeah. it will happen. Of course yeah. Brave move, very brave move. Love it. Love that. <laughs> Is there anyone in here 
here that's running a business? One, two, three. Uh, so this is how everyone's like, can you put your hand up proud if you're running a business? Loud and proud. Yes. 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 There we you go. just doubled that yeah. one. Yeah. <laughs> so in addition to asking questions, I want every single person that's running a business to tell us what their business is. Because I'm assuming it's possibly in fashion or something creative. And this is the perfect opportunity to share that. You, you only get sort of 10, 15 seconds when yeah. you're bringing yeah. the yeah. up anyway. Can um, I do the back starting yeah. there? I don't know how I'll summarise this intent. Do I have to stand up? You've got up? a sentence. No, <laughs> no you don't, just, okay. you don't um, have to look at it. Basically, I run uh, weekend workshops for girls at university uh, to dive into different industries, uh, particularly with the tech focus, considering the education system is so behind at the moment. Um, so what we do is gather girls, have support groups, and make sure that they're supported in their journey through tech or whatever industry they want to go into. Um, and I do that up north in Leeds. Wow. Fabulous. Wow. Love that. Who else? Who else? Who else? Who else? So it's kind of like a circle, isn't it? It was everyone along this. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. um, so I'm a textiles designer and I teach people how to do embroidery and embellishment. So I run workshops and teach that. And on Saturday, I, run one, I ran one with Girls Talk and Coach. And that was like the biggest workshop I've ever done. Oh, I want to come come to those. I want to do that. <laughs> also, can I just say something with that? So with the cuts in the government, and not only for arts, arts funding, but also they're cutting the curriculum. You know, I, I don't know if you had it, but there was Saturday, there were Saturday art classes, and they're about mm. to massively come back and working with the grassroots with people like Zandra Rhodes. So keep doing it because mm. it's going to become a massive thing. And it's going to be like, you know, it's like you can't, you can't break us down. You know, it's like you can cut everything you want, but arts will rise. So just know that there's people behind you as well. On trend. Is <laughs> <laughs> working or not? Okay. Okay. Um, I am worked 10 years in beauty industry and I was PR manager for brands Lamay and Jamalone London in Russia. And um, majority of my experience is connected with beauty industry, with beauty salons as Aveda, for example, Altoyan, Orba, these are the brands that I was overseeing in Russia. And I was working with magazines a lot in my profession, and I had to negotiate with them, like publications and things like that. And I came to London to study um, uh, management. Now I'm on my master's program, and next uh, year I'm opening beauty salon in London. And it's going to be called Cult. And it's all would be about women who don't have to prove anything, but just want to be beautiful for themselves. Mm. And the concept is that um, it's also a hairdressing academy. And my partner knows a lot, and he has been in the industry for 25 years. And because of that, we want to create something which is, would be based around deconstructivism in a way. We say that the shapes and the forms are because it's suitable for you not because it's on trend and nothing yeah. is wrong with the shaved forehead, for example, if it suits you. Nothing is wrong with turquoise hair, but it has to be suitable, not creative or just on trend. Wow. So this is our business. That's amazing. Hi. Um, I spent 18 years as a fashion buyer um, before setting up my business seven years ago as a personal stylist. So um, I work with... Um, me, she works for me. Yeah, she works for me. Love <laughs> 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 
Yeah, thank you. Um, yeah, so for me, it's not about judging or about trends. It's about that individual making the best of themselves. So, you know, it's I help people that need help, basically, and who don't feel confident. And hopefully, um, when they're finished with me, they do feel confident. They do. And, uh, so, um, I yeah. I must say, you've been incredible, because I've seen Harry's <laughs> wardrobe change. And you've just added a few little things into her wardrobe that have just really shifted. Yeah, because I every, amazing. No, you do this, but I'm actually really scared of clothes. I'm really, really scared <laughs> of them. And um, I'm really scared of shopping. So I actually like... So I said to Sally, you can take me shopping, but I just want you to know it's going to be the most painful three hours of your life because <laughs> I'm probably going to have a, like a nervous breakdown in Zara's changing rooms and definitely going to cry at some point. She's like, it's fine, I've got it. Had a lovely time. It's great. I love your kimono. Thanks, yeah. darling. Yeah. You look. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, who else? There was, there was one, there was one, one the And then there was another Alice at the back. Yeah, yeah. Which one? <laughs> Hi, I'm Ola. Um, I'm a photographer and I've sp just split my business into two. Um, I graduated from Solent University as a fashion in fashion photography last year and I'm now doing a master's um, in creative direction, which is a lot for me because I'm 42, got three children that have grown oh, up. Yeah, I love that. <laughs> um, so yeah, so you know, I mean like going back to university has just <laughs> completely <laughs> opened my eyes to everything just everything um but i'm when i finish my degree um my master's in in september i'm going to be focusing on the portrait side of my business which is about basically um helping women to exist in photography um if you go to you know your average woman's house there'll be family pictures and yeah. you know but they won't be that picture of themselves mm. and um you know i've heard so many stories about you know people passing away and not having you know that heirloom picture so that's kind of what I do and I'm oh, absolutely yeah. enjoying it really oh, really oh, <laughs> and um I actually have a question for all of okay. you so in my um my master's my final project the theme is cultural appropriation and I'm doing an exhibition and the theme about cultural appropriation is more about should there be like a kind of like unspoken standard when it comes to borrowing or being influenced by other cultures and how should that be, I don't know what the word is, but how should that be... Um, like credited. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, you know, should it be really like strict, like, you know, like mascara if they're using lashes or should it just be like how you would credit the photographer and the makeup artist, just a little kind of, you know, I've been inspired by...
and it's pink. Um, and it is a guide for women in work. Now, there is another one in New York that's called the Working Woman's Guide. And there was some, like, chat behind the scenes about, you know, somebody, like, copy somebody and, you know, it's even the same framing on, like, Instagram and blah, blah, blah. And I'm like... There is lots of, in terms of guides and stuff like that, and, and also women's radio shows, there should be more and more and more and more. We were talking then about, and it went on to an age thing, which I, and I'm coming around to your point, is like women of a, my age, uh, which is 41, I have to go this way. Yes. I keep going, I'm 43, I'm like lying down. Everyone's <laughs> like, God, you look great. I'm like, oh. um, is that um, it was really hard. It was really hard coming up, and that's why I really appreciate doing something like this. It was hard for me coming up through the industry. I felt like I had to do whatever I had to do to, to uh, yeah. succeed. I understand why you would be prickly about cultural appropriation, but from just from an outsider's point of view with a layer of love, yeah. and I understand that there is also another layer of that is like, there is, a, I hope, that anybody who uses cultural appropriation, it's done with a, a like a respect and an inspiration. Yeah. Yeah. It's not always a bad thing, but I could understand why you'd be like, you know what, we fought so hard for this, yeah. you know, and now you're just going to cash in and stuff like that. Yeah. Like the cornrows thing. <gasps> <laughs> Have you done this show already? <laughs> okay. <laughs> we talk about which is cultural appropriation and whether you can and I say this as a woman sitting here in a kimono but is it I, I does it then stifle creativity if we say you have to stick within your boundaries no I think so I'm like Grace I I feel that if it comes from a place of love and respect Mm -hmm. rather than passing off yeah. um, I think that should be the foundation and then I think if you look at different parts of fashion um, when you go from runway to the high street and there's a lot of influence as it were um, do you mean ripping off yeah can I say that but yeah. you can't say that because you're yeah. um, and I think that it, it in some ways, it's a positive because actually it broadens out fashion and, and a different, you know, different versions of trends um, to a wider audience. And it makes, you know, fashion should be fun. Fashion's there to make us feel good about ourselves. It's not there to to beat us down. Um, you know, I then also feel that there is this moral sort of dilemma with regards to, you know, getting people to buy things for the sake of buying it. Mm. But I, I come from a place of, as long as there's respect and it's, it's done with love and it broadens it out. Yeah, but there's been a couple of brands, Zara did it, and they totally ripped off an illustrator mm. uh, and co completely copied, almost like exactly the same. And there's been a couple of brands that have, that have done that. And we've just absolutely ripped yeah. off the creative, literally cookie-cutted it, put it on their things, not credited. But that's, the, the, that's in a way, the High Street's remit is to do that. Mm -hmm. I think yeah. we all kind of get that now, that you're going to get inspired by the catwalk kind of thing. And yeah. we all know, we, we see it in the magazines. 
I think what is really wrong is when you see houses like Gucci really ripping off young students mm. that they've seen. Yeah. Yes. They've been interns yeah. and work placements yeah. to no credit. Yeah. Yeah. At yeah. least put them on your Instagram going, this yeah. is this guy's work. Yeah. And they, they pertain to be like that, but actually they're not. Yeah. yeah. So just want to go to the lady at the back. Could you have, have a follow-on point from this? Yeah. yeah. Interesting what you're talking about because I actually have nothing oh. to do with fashion. Yep. I um, so we're going to throw a microphone to you very, very fast. <laughs> yeah. I'm an actor and a director and um, a writer now, but that's another story. <laughs> um, but um, this is the same parallel in my industry as well. And um, I think what we're talking about when we talk about cultural appropriation, when you think about creativity, despite what industry it's in, it's always born from adversity. And so it's come from a place of hardship with that individual or from a society or a community. Um, and so it's a very personal, creative um, thing that they're presenting to the world. And for me, cultural appropriation is it's all well and good saying, you know, with love and all this kind of stuff. But I think you really have to have researched exactly where that came from in order to really give the respect that it's due. So if you're telling me, you know, cornrows are a thing, fantastic. I want everyone here to have yeah. cornrows because actually you're, it's a reflection of what I grew up wearing and actually I'm, I'm glad to see it on other people. However, if you tell me Kim Kardashian put yeah. it on the map, that is an issue. Yeah. If you tell, if if you then know, you know, um, cornrows were established like this, like especially with the slaves, they did the patterns in to remember their history and also to remember like maps and stuff like that. Then suddenly there's another layer. Yeah. It's all well and good, you know, everyone becoming part and enjoying, but all the history needs to be related. How do you know the history? If you don't know, you don't know. What if you see something? If you're like a young fashion designer and you see something that, you know, to us or to somebody else is very clearly has some heritage and some history and maybe some difficult history, but someone else has just seen it and gone, oh my God, I love that. I'm going to take that bit and I'm going to do that bit. Can I respond? So, yeah. Yeah. But also, can I, before you respond, there is a sisterhood thing. Do you remember, like we were saying earlier about that whole thing? It's like, where did you get your thing from? And it's yeah. like, rather than being apart, like be the being being together, it's like you know whether you're white or black. It's like I love your hair, well, I'd like to have your hair. But can I build on this? So to put it in a different frame, so think about music. So think, you know, if Nina Simone had a beautiful song, think about your favorite artist, and then one of these kids. I don't even know their names. <laughs> this, this music all sounds the same. That's like an old person. Let's say Selena Gomez. For no, there's, there's some new new ones. There was someone called Bonnie on the TV on Saturday. No, some new, sure. <laughs> and, and they take one of the say Bonnie, whoever she is, takes Sorry, a classic, your classic, your favourite song, and adds a terrible beat to it, and is dancing around and shows no homage to the original. People are like, "What the hell is this?" Because you owe it as an artist to at least find the inspiration. But of how do I know that, that she did I wouldn't. Just because yeah. she did a bad version doesn't mean that she didn't do her homework. Yeah, and just because oh, I don't well. like that version <laughs> yeah. doesn't mean that I have that. I just wouldn't. Okay, I'm going to... Oh, I'm going to get us back on track. Uh, Lady Beck, you get final comment and then we're moving it around. I just yep. wanted to respond to what you said because you're right. Yeah, you do see something and it's like, oh, I like that and you want to take inspiration from it. But I think that's where the 
reality of the inspiration comes from, a lot of people see something and like, I can make money off that. I like that. Yeah, I'm right, taking yeah, that. Right, if you right. really genuinely like it, yeah. you will want to find out everything about it. Right. Like yeah. when I first saw, I don't know, that lady at the Tate with the pumpkins, I went and read everything about her. Yeah, I could just go that. off and put it on yeah. my on my clothing or whatever. Yeah, but I actually, see. I'm really inspired, so I'm actually going to find it's out what that is. Inspiration, that's... and then there's a rip-off, which is like, just basically, quick fix, lazy. make some money, yeah. lazy, I don't care, I just mm. know that's a trend, yeah. I know I can... Lazy. Right, yeah. that's when it's not appropriate. And hence the food thing, right? Yeah. If somebody's just going, you know what, I think I can make that journey I went food to, and make yeah. a ton of money. I went to Jamaica one time. Yeah. 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 <laughs> <laughs> Rather than, yeah. if somebody was... Hang on, wait, wait, wait. I went to Jamaica and I just loved the food and I researched it and I loved it. And now, would that be okay? Uh, I know this answer. So that's a whole other event. So, yes, over here. Just quickly, does that make it the consumer's fault or the person that is in quotation marks ripping it off? Great question. So it's it's that's the only thing that Where I'm worried about is that I'm not going to be able to read everything and I don't yeah, know exactly. what I don't know exactly, exactly what Emma yeah. was saying. I don't mean to not be culturally appropriate. Yeah, I don't I mean to be, but I, yeah. Uh, yeah, and personally have no clue about fashion. I'm currently wearing my... Um, um, boyfriend, sister's clothing. Um, she's 22, <laughs> I'm 28. So, um, yeah, I have no clue and I would love people people like this to tell me exactly what to wear. Um, yeah, but but yes, yeah, so what it's, we're trying to say is wouldn't the world be a really, really boring place if everyone's going, ma, 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 like that all the time. And it's sometimes when you get radical and stuff, it feels like you're doing that all the time. Like Lucy Siegel, who is the, the um, ethical editor for The Observer, said, you know, we all know that the, the flaws of um, online fashion and high street fashion. But when she saw, she was at a fireman's house and his 11-year-old daughter ordered her first pair of high heels from, I'm not going to name them, and she was like, who am I to be like, they're made in Bangladesh and they probably poisoned their water and the, probably the people that made them in slavery of some sort, to that girl's experience of going, a, a life-changing experience for her. So it's kind of like, okay, you, we can do enough research, you know, as a, as a responsible human being to be like, to curb our urges. It's like, we know if we're overeating. So it's the same thing with high street and buying clothes. We know if we're going past a place, which is like, you're doing it for another reason. We all know it, even if it's secret, even if you're like, ah. Yeah. And it's just about being in tune with yourself as a human being, I think. So knowledge, I mean, that whole wider thing is kind of it doesn't really matter like your references and stuff like that which is like being true to yourself is actually the most important thing because being a decent human being and have and caring about the planet is kind of the most important thing yeah. uh this way um, i was just thinking you know we uh, from the days of you know barbarians and romans we you know you can't help but be influenced by things around you and you don't necessarily ask the questions. Like fashion evolves, so you know you're constantly looking at trends. But the trend, you know, for mini skirts might then suddenly six years later change, and it, it constantly evolves. So it's it would be hard to trace it back because we're all influenced by different food, different cultures, different music, and that's why we then you know become as we are in modern there. times. We're but also also the cousins of monkeys, so we all we all get distracted quite quickly. We're all like, oh, what's up with And that's why kind of we all love fashion, because it does, you're just like, well, I'm going to wear the same thing for the rest of my life. No, yeah. I want to change it up a bit. I think my only caveat to that is where it's new. 
So uh, I, there is no such thing as a new idea. But when something emerges onto a scene, I think if the creator that's bringing it to the masses, yeah. so the person that's making it mainstream, if they have not done their research and their insight mm -hmm. and given a nod to where they've, they've got that inspiration from, which is what I think all good artists do, uh, that's when I feel that it's lazy. Mm. And it once it then becomes mainstream and everyone's building on it, so going back to your point, I don't necessarily hold it against the consumer per se. When it comes to overconsumption, I think that's a different conversation. Yeah. But if you've seen something that you like and your, your friend was wearing it, that's different. But going back to the creator, I think they hold the ultimate responsibility for educating and sharing that, that message on. Where are you um, with regards to Kim Kardashian? Just in general. Every so general. <laughs> Kim, I love her. I, I, I'm, I'm, a Kim, I'm a Kim fan. But on the whole Kane Rowe thing, yeah. she should have said, look, I, I saw some girls down in Christian <laughs> rocking this, and I thought it was cool, and now I'm wearing it, but I did not create this. This is not called a box braid. Um, she should have said that loud and proud, and that upset me. That hurt my heart. Okay. I did warn you that we would be very short on time. We'd get to the end of the questions, so everyone would be like, no, more questions. So, if you've got your hands there, lady at the back, yes? Um, I, say, I, think it's, I think it's like, it's amazing that we're actually having a discussion about cultural appropriation, because I think... Maybe even like 10 years ago, that just wouldn't have happened. Mm -hmm. But I think at the same time, it's always been like the outsider groups that really mash things up, like punks, drag queens that bring together loads of disparate influences. And, and that don't credit them because they don't care. Mm -hmm. But those are the people that push things forward mm -hmm. and that then, you know, 50 years later, Topshop are churning out copies. So I kind of feel like, you do know... They care, do they not care? So I, I, I would say if you sat down with one of the early originators, so if you speak to a mod, like a mod is like, why are these people wearing sideburns and copying yeah. me? So I think it depends on where you where you are and where you go, how much people share their discomfort at something that they... I think if you um, want to have true creativity, which isn't kind of examining ex every single element of why you've put something together then you probably aren't, you know, researching all of your sources. And that's kind of when the magic happens, really. Yeah. Sorry, I'm just going to piggyback on the fact that she's next to me with the mic. Um, I think when, it's, when it should be immediately obvious, so where it's clearly coming from a place of hurt, like Kendall Jenner and the Pepsi ad, for example, that was, it's lazy. It's really lazy. And can we bring it, so, so Kendall and Kylie with their faces yeah, exactly. on Tupac and Biggie and... Yeah. Yeah. I just yeah. like to say about the doors as well. Yeah, and the doors, yeah. It's such a they took thing. musical it's icons. Because possible, taking, okay, if you can cash in on a trend, graphic tees is mm -hmm. obviously a huge thing, but then when you go from cashing in your own brand, different statues of getting a huge icon, not even crediting them, and then using all that history for something that actually is completely just different culture, and just, I think, the brand that they have just doesn't work. Um, it's disrespectful. Yeah. I mean, I was just going to. I think I, I think that's the whole point of fashion and, and art is the subject subjectivity of it, mm -hmm. and everyone will have their own in, um, kind of translation of it. Mm -hmm. But like what you were saying, when you get defensive about something, that's your culture and your heritage. I get that about my culture and heritage, and that's where we keep because we can educate them and we can say, oh well, actually, did you know like the history behind espadrilles, or did you know where heels come from, or because people think, oh yeah, but actually men used to wear heels. Espadrilles are what they wore in the villages back in the day in the Middle East and in, in um, Latin America. So that's where it's really key that people like us are the ones that then kind of say, oh, you know, and I think, but it's, again, it's amazing that people like punks and all these different fashion eras that come into place can kind of be able to take inspiration from it. I think, I think it's actually...
interesting. Thank you. I feel like we could talk forever. Yeah. <laughs> but I'm afraid our panel have got to head off on certain things. So we're gonna I'm gonna put a line under it there. But if you want to keep the conversation going, we're all on Twitter. You can find at Badass Women's Hour, HR, at Badass Women's Hour, or using the hashtag BAWH. I would really love to hear more of what you guys have to say because it's obviously a great conversation and we want to keep it going as much as possible. Um, we always like to finish these sessions and do also stay around, have a drink, chat to us afterwards. Um, always like to finish these sessions by asking our panel for a little bit of badass wisdom that we can all live our lives by in the coming days. Uh, so Nat, do you want to kick us off? What's your thought for the evening? <laughs> I, I would say, just based on the conversation we had at the end, ask questions. When H first asked who had a question, you know, it was sort of hands tentative. And actually every everyone has multiple things that they want to throw into, into the mix. So for the rest of this week, if you hear something and you're like, but why? Just chuck it out there and see what happens. Fabulous, thank you. Sarah? I think for me, um, it's about, and it's probably more relevant to my departure, you know, you might find you're in a situation and the future seems either super daunting, like you've got a massive mountain to climb, or you actually don't know what the future is. And I think it's just really important that you realise that that's just the moment in time, and that break it down into more, try and apply logic and put perspective over a situation, because in our own minds, we can often blow things out. I mean, I have a constant chatter in my brain of, like, shit that's just kind of, more often than not, not very positive about myself, but that's just my own issues. Um, but yeah, it's kind of, it's about trying to sort of make things bite-sized chunks so that actually it doesn't seem as daunting, because it's, sometimes failure is your own mind sort of lack of self-belief or, or those sorts of things. Beautiful, thank you. No, sense. great point. Thank you very much. Uh, mine, I think, which is a bit of a new theme in my life as well, is in terms of do your research. I think as a creative person, I'm a bit of a magpie and I can flip around to things. And certainly that the discussion tonight is for me to like dig a bit deeper and to research and not necessarily just take that first thing that you see and to just spend a bit more time on the things that my creative brain wants to flip around. And same with fashion, like dig a bit deeper, where are those labels, you know, buying their stuff from, how are they making, you know, so yeah, dig a bit deeper, do the research. <laughs> to, to neatly segue into that, I've got two books I want to talk about. Um, there's a book called The Monkey Brain versus oh, yeah. the Chimp Paradox. I think that, you know, I have the same thing of just being like, like constant messaging that's, that's like really bad. And if you can learn to, we're humans, everything is a muscle and everything is controllable. And most of the time my life goes completely out of control. So it's like, okay, if you can go, I can control this. It's not nature versus nurture. I, I can kind of compartmentalize, I can change. Um, I've completely forgotten the other book, and it was about what you were saying. I think it's basically read more. Read <laughs> <laughs> that was the neat segue that I then completely messed up, of course. Um, it's like, you know, I have a three-and-a-half-year-old, and it's it's almost impossible to read. Um, but then that's an excuse as well. So I started reading on my phone, and um, and uh, We Should All Be Feminists, obviously that is a book. If anybody hasn't read it here, then everybody, it's, it's life-changing. Um, and that's all I can say in, a, in a, I am an addict to Instagram and it's like, no, read more. Yeah, great point. 
Um, so if you've been to these before, you know that I always like to end with kind of three things that have come up for me for this session. So uh, the first one is, I think that was a beautiful point made over there, which is if you love something, if you really love it, get obsessed with it. Like find out about it, learn about it, understand it, because actually that's what kind of love and appreciation is. Um, the second one is, um, although I really hope that means that I don't have to give up my kimono. <laughs> Do you have to become a gay Chanel? <laughs> I did that in my 20s, it didn't work out. Um, so, uh, the second one is um, this lovely idea that creativity comes, is creativity is disruptive and sometimes uncomfortable. And actually, that's a good thing. Like, if something makes you uncomfortable, it's going to get you to question stuff and ask about things and truly understand it. And we should all get more comfortable hanging out in that discomfort. Mm. Um, and my final point for tonight is, in case anyone didn't know this, a year ago, I won a Birkin bag in a poker tournament, and I need to flog it. If anyone knows how to do that, please oh, let yes, me know. I've got a new website called Cadello, where you can, they will sell your designer clothes for you and get you the best price. Okay, there we go. Problem solved. Um, we didn't plug that, but there we go. Now I know. Um, and finally, uh, I always like to end with a big round of gratitude. So first of all, a huge round of applause and thank you to our amazing panel. Even bigger round of applause and a huge thank you to the fabulous W Hotel for hosting us. Uh, we love them and they let us keep coming back, so we're very, very grateful. And finally, a big round of applause to yourselves for turning out and having just such great conversation and questions. So thank you very much. We're on, uh, if you want to catch up with us, you can find us at Badass Women's Hour on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, everywhere else. Do tweet us, tell us what you think. Use the hashtag BAWH and we'll be back here again in the autumn. Badass Women's Hour with Harriet Minter, Natalie Campbell and Emma Sexton on Talk Radio. She'll get you talking. Normally, being a little extra might be a bit much, but not when it comes to healthcare. That's why United Healthcare's Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, supplement your primary plan so you manage out-of-pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff: shirts and polos, activewear, and fine leather goods all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.